This episode of The A-Team is brought to you by FaceToFaceGames.com, Canada's number one source for Magic the Gathering card singles. But, like, I'm not a big fan of, like, hey, want to go to this Magic tournament and then also go check out fucking Dead Mouse over there? And, like, while you're trying to play, it's like a rave is happening next to you. And then, like, also there's, like, a brony <laughs> convention down the street. And you have to, like, deal with Welcome to the A-Team Podcast, brought to your ears by ManorDeprived.com, home of Canadian magic. In 2010, a crack magic playing unit was sent to prison by the DCI court for mise they didn't commit. These men promptly escaped from a federal pound-me-in-the-ass prison to the Canadian underground. Today, still wanted by Wizards of the Coast, they survive as podcasters of fortune. If you have a problem, if no one else can help, and if you can find them, maybe you can listen to The A-Team. KYT. And of course, they rag on me for not talking enough. <laughs> nice. Listen to me now, bitch. That's <laughs> Jay Boosh. You know what? This is how it works. I'm not old as fuck, and I don't play idiots. And those are the two things that apparently matter when you want to play Mind Flavor. Scotty. And and I cash that GP. Like, that's legit. Like, for me, being just the fucking dad grinder, that's a huge deal. And Jeremy. Sometimes you just have to be that guy. We're like, oh, you want to play some modern? It's like, yeah, I want to play some modern. And, like, I'll suspend a lotus bloom. And they're just like, oh, why did I want to play modern with you? And now, the A-Team. Hey everyone, welcome to episode 245 of the 18 Talk Show. As always, I'm your host, KYT. Okay, settle down, guys. You guys are far too kind. We've got an amazing show for you guys this week. Uh, this week, we've got star of Tarmacon 1 and Tarmacon 2, Jeremy Scumbag Schofield, on the show. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. And, uh,. Before we get to Jeremy, actually, oh. uh, we've decided to bring back Jay Bush, um, star of Celebrity Crap Chat, because there was some a little controversy going on in the past couple of days about his show. So, come on down, Jay. Hey, how's it going? Good to be back. Good to be back. Hey, Jay. So, um, I mean, we, we had you on the show last week. Everybody loved it. Uh, but recently, there's been a lot of controversy about your celebrity crab chat show. Can you like elaborate at all with us? You know, I uh, I talked to you guys before, and I said I didn't really want to talk about this. Uh, <laughs> I'm actually here to talk about my book, um, Crapping with Boosh, but nobody <laughs> wants to talk about that, I guess. Uh, so I can't really elaborate on it because the NDA. But let's just say uh, that Mr. Schmorzerschmeger. It will be very disappointed when he hears from my lawyer. Well, well, I'm I'm reading. Maybe you 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 won't comment. It's just that the fact that people are saying, accusing you, that you were just taking crap shot chat shots, but not actually taking a shit. Uh, again, don't really want to talk about this. <laughs> All right, but we're still gonna have you on the show. Um, to welcome our our actual. Guest for this week, Jeremy fucking Schofield. Hello, 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 hello. 
Hello, Jeremy. Oh my goodness. So this guy is like crap talk guy? Like, is this the, the, the crap picture guy? The guy with the poop pictures? Uh, it's not yes, pictures it is. of poo. I mean, not to be reasonable. <laughs> it's pictures you take of yourself while pooing. <laughs> but very different things. So is it like a... Is it only for celebrities? Well, no. It's not only for celebrities, but it's caught on like wildfire with celebrities, and now everybody's doing it, and it's super popular, and I'm famous. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. So, well, Jeremy's pretty famous. Uh, his, his like box office hit, Tarmacon 1, it was a huge fucking hit. But uh, sad to say, Tarmacon 2 kind of tanked. What? But there's rumors it, that there it, might it, be it a sequel. Tank. It didn't tank. It was awesome. But there's rumors. There's rumors that there might still be a sequel. Great. Is there is there any truth to that? Uh, we'll see. If you say it like that, they always make sequels for terrible things. So, uh, <laughs> but Tarmacon Two didn't tank. Okay, the critics are fucking retarded. Um, it was great. We had a fucking great time. We showed the world what it's like to game and to love. And I just don't think people are ready for that yet. Hmm. Jay, did you see any of those nope. two movies? No, I didn't. <laughs> no, I think I ever uh, I, 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 I honestly think that uh, it's one of those things that you got to be part of the community. You got to be brought into it. Uh, I, I just don't know if a crap guy like that will get invited. <laughs> um, Jer, so in the past week, we, we haven't seen you for two weeks. Have you gone any magic in your life recently? Yeah, absolutely. I uh, played some Modern the other day. I got home. I had gotten back from work. I was like, okay, I got some time to play some magic. I decided I wanted to play some Modern. I got to the store. I signed up. I sat down for my first round. I opened up the deck box, and I said, okay, I've got Namsung Wook Jund, or <laughs> I've got uh, Restore Balance. So I played Restore Balance, and I lost in the finals, because that's my thing, apparently. I am very good at choking at the end. So, uh, yeah, that was, uh, it was a lot of fun. I played against straight creature decks, which is, like, just the, the best thing in the world for me. Um, and it was great, because I got to put down Gemstone Cavern game one, uh, turn one, uh, in all four matches, and only the last match did the guy know he was actually playing against Restore Balance because he had watched my previous match. Uh, but every time I played it, they're like, "Oh, great! I'm playing against uh, I'm playing against whatever that stupid thing is with uh, the Primeval Titans and Five Post or whatever." No, no, the uh, I can never, I, I don't know why I don't remember things. I'm oh, fucking, Amulet. Yeah, Vigor. Vigor. Yeah, like the Vigor decks, like yeah. the Amulet of Vigor decks. So. They always thought, oh, great, I'm playing against an amulet or vigor deck, and it's like, yeah, absolutely, sure, whatever, you know, throw all your creatures on the board and try and race me. Go for it. Hmm. It ex- kind of explains why you didn't remember that Tarmacon 2 tanked, but um, <laughs> why modern? Is it a format that you enjoy more, or you're setting it up for an a upcoming GP? Not really. Uh, it's just the case that it's a format I enjoy. I, I've played a ton of limited magic in my time. Whenever I sit down to play Magic, I usually end up playing Limited Magic. So I've been trying to play more Constructed Magic at tournaments. 
I just, I don't know why I play stupid things like Restore Balance. Like, I need to pick something that is somewhat playable and actually play it so that I can be better. But I just ended up playing that deck because I didn't get to put together what I wanted to put together. So, Sweet, sweet. Is there anything upcoming for you? Event-wise, I don't know. Uh, I'm making plans with the wife right now. We are going to hit New York. So GP when New York. That? Is the thing uh, that is August, the middle of August, I believe. I may be completely wrong, but we're planning a trip to Portugal. Wow! Ooh. So uh, her family has been kind of like really pushing us to go. My wife really wants to go. I really want to go. Uh, so it's finally the case where we're actually in a position that we can go. So what we're going to do is either go to Europe do all the Europe stuff, and then uh, come back for GP New York, or we'll do it the other way around. Hmm. So, uh, I, I don't know exactly how it's going to play out, but we're making the plans. Like, the wife's already said, you know what? If that's what you want to do. Let's make sure that that happens. Let's make a big trip out of the whole thing. So, right. next year, I'm going to disappear in the summer for probably something like four weeks or something stupid. Nice. Yeah, my wife actually today just asked me if I wanted to go to New York ever, and I said, oh yeah, I remember there's that, uh, there's that GP I told you about, and she said, oh yeah, we'll have to find out what that is. <laughs> Sweet, I'm looking right now, buddy. And then you go tell her. It's uh, August 2021st. August 2021st. Yeah, yeah, so uh, you just, uh, you just go right now, we'll cut to commercial, and go tell her. <laughs> go tell her right now. <laughs> this portion of the 18th brought to you by Celebrity Crap Chats 2. Now on Tinder. Wait, right. And we're back. <laughs> um, we, we, we were talking about uh, Modern. Uh, Jeremy was talking about Modern. I actually had to play Modern this past weekend. It was a WMTQ in Toronto. Oh, and who, uh, who took down that luxurious event? Um... I might butcher his name because I don't know this guy. Hunter Blatt, I think. He took it down with Scapeshift. Um, Scapeshift. Yeah. One of the more intriguing, uh, one of the funnier things that happened actually of this trip that I didn't expect was, uh, so I was riding with my friends, uh, Frankie Richard, uh, Vincent Thibault, and uh, Mexi, my friend. We call we call him Mexi short for Mexican. Everyone does. But uh, his real name is Frank. Chesco, um, Leon Valencia, and uh, Frank brought a lot of podcasts with him. Like I listened to Heavy Meta, we listened to Money Draft, and like at one point he he puts the last last week's episode of the A Team Talk Show on while I'm in the car, and it's just like uh, <laughs> <laughs> just embarrass the fuck out of me. Um, it is interesting to hear me swear while we're. <laughs> during the episode while we're in the car it's kind of interesting and to see um to know that jay like later on corrects me about the uh slow yeah. or fast lands yeah wrecked. the I got tango wrecked lands the tango yeah. lands um but uh hunter blatt won he beat he actually beat uh Vincent, the only person that had a chance uh, out of us four to to make it to top eight Vincent actually lost that final round of winning in the eventual winner uh, he was playing merfolk and it turns out that the matchup isn't that great i don't know what's your opinion on that matchup jared but so, uh merfolk like 
supposed to have a quick clock with some permission, but like all of your permission is like Curse Catcher or Reman, things that don't really like Curse Catcher. They're gonna even pay for one very often. Like the only thing that you got going for you is uh, the fact that you're playing uh, the uh, land destruction kind of spell, the thing that makes islands. Springseas is kind of the only thing you got going for you. And it, it doesn't even really work because they've got like a thousand ways to find more land. So they can find colored mana. You just turn something colorless, right? And you just sacrifice it when you cast Escape Shift to go and get a mountain anyway. So it's... it's right. That sounds like just a god-awful matchup for fish. Right, I saw like, you know, Vincent plays Master of Waves yeah. and the other guy can just win. Um, <laughs> win uh, like, and to buy time, he can just crypt the command, bounce the master. Yeah. Like you lose the army, and they draw a card, get them closer to the combo, and you have to waste time playing uh, master ways. Or they play board sweepers that are gonna like sweep every other elemental yeah. guy, uh, leaving the lone ma- master waves, which is not a fast clock. And so, even though like Murfolk, you you feel like it's it's an aggro deck with permission. That will allow them to beat like some of these combo decks, but not scapeshift. Well, not not how it's and most designed. of the Merfolk decks don't actually even really play that much permission. Like they play, they play things like Vapor right. Snags. They'll play things like the Curse Catchers that can do some things, but really, it's it's not a trick or anything like that. It's very easy to play around, and that's you know kind of all it's got to it. In the sideboard, they, bring they can in... bring in like negates. They can bring in uh, right. The counter spell that counts how many guys you, how many creatures you have, if you have more creatures. Right, right. Uh, unified yeah, will? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, something... unified will or something along those lines. So it, it'll do that yeah. kind of stuff, but maybe a dispel, but that ain't going to help you. Like, it, That's just a terrible freaking matchup for, for Merfolk. If they curve out right, uh, I was... then maybe they have her. But... Right. I was watching behind him. I was heartbroken that he was starting to lose, uh, like, he lost, he was able to bring him down to, like, one, I game one, and then lost, and then game two, wasn't even close, drew basically all four of his curse catchers, which, like we said, are awful, because they present such a stupid, slow clock, and don't really, they're just annoying, they're, they don't really shut down scapeship, so it's heartbreaking to see him lose, uh, I also saw right next to him, my friend Dave Schneer lose, his winning in, he was playing his own blue-white brew, and he also ran into a bad matchup. He ran into uh, green-red Tron, and to see his hand with, like, a mana leak in it against, like, a deck that's about to get Tron wasn't very exciting for me to watch. Yeah. Um, he ultimately lost. He did steal a game because he actually assembled Ghost Quarter Crucible combo in uh, game two, but uh, game three, he just he just couldn't get there. Uh, luckily enough, I had John Stern, Dan Lantier, Felix Tse, all three of them made it to the top eight, uh, which would happen the very next day, but uh, none of them were was able to, to take home the trophy. So uh, Hunter gets gets the honor of representing Canada alongside Alexander Hain and Sean McLaren. I myself played Affinity and... It was cool to meet some listeners of the show who who knew I was on it. Basically, like, so you're playing Affinity, right? I'm like, how the fuck <laughs> do you know? And, uh, yeah, and it always makes me happy that uh, people are listening to the show. And I think it's it 
may have placed two in the top eight, uh, from what I last remember, and uh, I think it's still one of the best decks in the format. Oh, yeah. I fortunately lost to... Uh, so I lost to blue-black Polymorph Game 1. I mean, this format that like we've discussed has literally every single deck that you can think of, and although blue-black Polymorph is basically one of those um, rogue decks that aren't even... isn't probably isn't Tier 1 or Tier 2, it somehow matches up really well with Affinity because it plays Bitter Blossom. Um, and if they get one early, it shuts down my Volt Scourges, Signal Pest. It shuts down like basically a lot of my deck yeah. uh, to be able to kill them early. And once they Polymorph from Emrakul, and I don't have like a Galvanic Blast or something to stop that, I'm probably going to lose. Um, so that's what happened. Like Bitter Blossom just ended up being a problem. Uh, it's just... Other combo decks like Amulet of Bloom, I'm just like building my army, killing them, but these guys have Bitter Blossom as part of their combo plan that interacts with some of my best creatures. Uh, so I lose, I lose that. I beat Ben Moore, who was playing Merfolk, and Merfolk is a terrible, is a very good matchup, rather, for me. It was terrible for him. Affinity just rolls them over. Um, they just don't really have much in the way of evasion unless they're running some amount of Kira. Uh, Glass Spinners? I forgot its full name. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, Glass Spinner or whatever. And uh, so it was pretty easy. Uh, and round three, I lose to a kid, like probably 11-year-old kid, playing the deck that I'm most famous for, a deck that everyone still bugs me, asking me if I play Bottles. it, like assume. Oh, yes, my God, my God. Assume even to this day that I play. And uh, I don't know. I talked to Match Luton. After, like, the King of Affinity, he felt like his quick comment was, like, unless they have Stony Silence, it's a pretty easy matchup. That's not my impression. Like, you don't, you can't interact with them once they can have Daybreak Cornet. You're done for. And my version, I was playing Hanes List uh, with a tweak, a post-Worlds tweak that, that he suggested, which is more Aether Grids. Uh, like, three of them in the sideboard, a tech that he missed, but that Sam Black and Paul Rietzel had. And I had that, and it also played two Spellskites main, so you can steal games from Boggles and Infect in game one. The problem is, Spellskites and other deck is a superstar against Boggles, but because they're bringing in Nature's Claim to hate on all your artifacts anyway, they have a ton of hate. Like, Spellskite is not game over uh, because they're bringing their best cyborg card against you anyway. So I had Spellskite, and it just got Path or Nature's Claim. And I lost to him. So I don't feel, I don't agree with him that it's an easy matchup at all. I don't actually see, I was going to win game two with a lethal Volt Scourge, but he top decked uh, Daybreak Cornet, and I was no longer able to race him. Uh, um, the only reason I would think that it's an easy matchup is if I have one of those like decent Ikmoth Nexus draws, yeah. because they need like Spider Umbra, basically. Uh, to interact with my inf uh, my Ikmoth. So I could see that being one of the reasons why Affinity can win. But other than that, I don't think it's a good matchup at all. Uh, what's your take, Jer? Um, I don't know. Like, I, I, I think that it's, it's one of those cases where it falls into that category of decks that can beat up on a certain type of deck, but are, like, completely dead to everything else. Like, I'm going to go back to my stupid Restore Balance deck. If I play against like green aggro and then play against uh merfolk and then play against like those types of decks i'm going to beat them every time because my deck's really good against those types of decks 
but otherwise mm-hmm. it's just junk. Like it doesn't do anything. The fact that they're running <laughs> main deck bitter blossoms is actually really good against affinity. Like in the Jun list that I play, I play a miser's bitter blossom. And every time I get it game one, I feel amazing because I know my opponent has the sideboard so heavily to deal with it because they think that that's a part of the deck. And that angle of attack's really good against Affinity, but it's just one of those cases where sometimes you're going to run into a deck that is just hot garbage, but it's amazing against what you're having to play. Right, right. Uh, I mean, even Bitter Blossom is random. Well, not, I wouldn't say random, but like if you have it as part of your combo, is excellent against something like even Infect that can annoy the mm-hmm. shit out of them because their their one ones the Glistener Elves are like oh shit I I'm supposed to be able to just attack with ease but now I have these annoying one ones each turn that can just chump block yeah. and now I actually need a Distortion Strike or something yeah and even their chump blocking might put them into a position where they're trading now you know it's 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 kind of silly how that plays out. Mm-hmm. Um, I played against the um, elves and like it was the same thing where like the elf guy he goes out and he like combos out and he dumps everything on the board and I restore balance and like put him to zero permanence and beat the crap out of him with a greater gargonaut just you know I'm going to get lucky those types of decks are going to get lucky they're going to have favorable matchups that are very very narrow and they won't be able to deal with other decks like if they were playing against twin they would probably just get stomped right. but they're not so they get to beat up on you. Okay. What do you think about Affinity against Boggles? Like, which side do you stand on, on that matchup? I think that if Affinity has one of its, like, better uh, better uh, draws, like something that involves uh, either the ability to kind of go heavily into uh, an Arcbound Ravager onto a Vault Scourge, or if they have something along the lines of a Cranial Plating into a Vault Scourge, then it's a very easy affinity matchup. Like, affinity has, like, a good draw that they can kind of do damage. Uh, they're going to have to back it up with something like an Inkmoth Nexus to kind of get that infect win if the other guy, if uh, the Boggle player gets the lifelink side of things going. But they have the tools to be able to race. Um, they have the tools to kind of go over the top to an infect win. But I, I really feel like Boggles has more ways to kind of put the pressure on. Like, I feel like the, the Boggle player is the player in front. I say that Infinity yeah. has the ability to get around them and, and win the matchup, but I think that the Boggle is the aggressor, and when Affinity isn't the aggressor, that's a problem. Yeah, and then not only can Boggles be the aggressor, but like post board they have the, like I said, the efficient, yeah. the, depending on the number of Path to Exiles or Nature's game that they're bringing in, and they're just absolutely insane and, and uh, totally tempo-changing, especially if you're just using your turn to attach a Cranial Plane of Vault Scourge that, you know, they're just going to be like, whoops! Claim it, or, or or claim the playing rather, yeah. or or path the guy. Yeah. Whereas, like, you're um, limited on the backswing to like maybe a couple thoughtsies, maybe a wear and tear, maybe spell skites. Yeah. Like, spell skites are kind of one of your better pieces to kind of combat that. But they have way more tools coming out of their board than you do. And right. you're playing affinity, which is just like the deck that just gets hit by every sideboard. Like you cannot sideboard against affinity and sideboard against affinity. Right, right. <laughs> um, the the event was hosted by Four Hundred One Games, and uh, this is where I'd love your take on this, Jay. Um, the, after after the event, a lot of hate was posted on, uh, you know, as expected, I guess, for a lot of Magic events. But on Reddit, in uh, various Facebook groups at Four Hundred One Games, 
And uh, for me, I always like to give people the benefit of the doubt because I think they probably had good intentions. Um, before one game decided to host WMCQ at the same time as the Fan Expo, right. which is like all these. Um, I'm not too into this, but like a lot of anime, Star Wars, uh, a lot of cosplayers. Um, it, it, the venue was the same thing that was held for GP Toronto, which ran really smoothly, okay. I felt. And, uh, but this was, so the WMCQ was like in a room on the bottom floor. And one of the issues was the place was so crowded that if you were to get out and I did, after I, I scrubbed out at one, two, I decided to drop, um, I, I left to get some food, but to get back downstairs, uh, the escalator itself had a long, long ass lineup, um, that you had to wait. So. If for some reason you randomly decided, like, you were still in the competition. Like, you had to go get food. And you had to go get food. You finish around early. But then you come back thinking you had, you know, an ample amount yeah. of time. You, you had to line up because the bottom floor also had, like, um, comic things to do that, that other people, like, uh, like fan expos attendees were, were attending to. So you had to wait in a long line for them. And the only reason, like, Lucas Ciao and uh, some players were able to get down back faster was they saw me uh, wait. They're like, we're, they're like, how the fuck do we get down? And then they see me, like, ahead of the line, and they just cut right, in. Right, yeah. Me. So they were, like, lucky to get down. So that was a problem. Um, so I don't know, like, I, I like maybe, like, 401 saw it as, as a plus that maybe Magic players were getting more money because uh, more bang for their buck because you were essentially getting a free uh, fan expo bracelet so so you could walk around whereas other people would have had to pay right. to get in but then a lot of magic players didn't give a well, shit yeah. about the fan yeah. expo and would have much rather it be like nobody else was there so that they could roam freely go get food easier and it wouldn't feel so crowded and hot. So, like, I I feel like maybe 401 had good intentions, but, you know, they got a lot of shit for yeah. it. Um, I don't know what your thoughts are, are so, on So, like, here. they, I guess, like, the, the gist was, like, they were trying to run an event with, like, a, some kind of, like, special side event or something area. So that, like, not side event, but, like, side draw, I guess. So that, like, you'd have, is that kind of what the consensus was? Yeah, I guess. Yeah, side draw. Right. Does, <laughs> Sounds does right. 401 Games host this this convention that was going on? No. Because I'm trying to think, like, where's the advantage to it? Yeah. To having this WMCQ like but this? Maybe they, had, maybe they also had a booth there, is what I'm... Because they sell comics, yeah. too? Like, possible they, they also had something, a hand in it? Yeah, like, I mean, personally for me, like, I'm a big fan of my magic events being about magic, and that's about it. Um... I don't really, I'm not, like, super big on, like, side, non-magic event-related stuff. Um, like, you know, having side tables for people to play, like, random games is cool. And having, like, like tables for people to sell stuff, or having different events, or having, you know what I mean? That stuff's great. Like, I love going to an event, and it's like, oh, I want to play Two to Giant? Sure. Want to play Sealed? Sure. Want to draft? Sure. That stuff's super great. But, like, I'm not a big fan of, like, hey, want to go to this Magic tournament and then also go check out 
fucking dead mouse over there. And, like, while you're trying to play, it's like a rave is happening next to you. And then, like, also, there's, like, a brony <laughs> convention down the street. And you have to, like, deal with unse brones, unse brones. Like, I'm not really big on that. I think that's pretty fucking stupid. And, like, especially if it's a magic event that matters, um, that's, like, that... Yeah. Like, that's, like, if it's a pre-release or, like, whatever, like, fucking fine. Like, who cares? But, like, if it's a magic thing that matters where it's like you're winning a tournament for a reason or whatever then like that I that like really pissed me off well this is for like a slot at on at being on yeah. Team Canada it's actually like it should be in a silent library basically like I take <laughs> yeah like it should be it should be like as serious as serious can get almost you know I don't want yeah, I don't want it, like, at a fucking shared convention hall, like, well, you know, it's fine if it's at, like, you know, the Toronto whatever convention center, and there's a bunch of other shit going on. That's fine. But then, like, you need to, as a TO, like, you should, like, coordinate that somehow so that either, like, if there's gonna be 800 billion people there, that you give your Magic players maybe, like, VIP passes that they can, like, get to the front of the line, or you give them, or you work something out that it the you know the 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 tournament is at a, an off time either early in the morning or you know late in the evening or like or do it on a different day like do it on the Sunday instead of the Saturday or pick a different fucking venue like I I'm just yeah that just sounds just terrible. Magic players were like like I said it was at the bottom floor and there's like three escalators. Two of them were going up. One of them was going down, and like magic players were tilted because no one was going up. So it was just this one yeah. long one escalator being used, and it was this long gigantic. Yeah, line. and like there's no reason um, why you're like. I mean, I'm sure there was a reason, but like I feel like you should have tried to have your event on the top floor if that was the case. You know, if you know that there's a big event going on next door to you downstairs, like try to get an upstairs room so that at least I can like go up the back way or something. You know what I mean? Like, like, this might have yeah, been done, like, with good intentions, because, like, I know yeah. one of yeah. the troubles of running these bigger tournaments is that, and especially in Canada, is that it's tough to get the player base to understand the fact that the Canadian dollar is doing so terribly right now oh, versus yeah. the American dollar that things are expensive. Yeah. So I, I don't know what the price point was, but if the price point was still somewhat decent, like, it might have been because they got a deal on this, because they talked to the guys who are running this convention, yep. and they said, hey, we've rented out all this space. We don't need all of it. Any chance you guys can buy some of it off of us, whatever the case may be, you guys can run your tournament here, whatever. You know, 401 tried to scratch their back, they scratched 401's back, and they ended up with this tournament, and then it just did not get executed correctly. Like, it's so simple to say that if someone had gone over and flipped that escalator over, where it was two escalators going down, one escalator going up, yeah, they might have actually just solved one of the biggest problems. They might have taken the ammunition away from the people. But it's one of those things that yeah. that's the gamble. And at WMCQ, at least like they, it's it's not an open tournament, so it's actually kind of feels like a really bad venue for something like that. Because if you're having an open tournament that anybody can play in at a big event like that, you can draw in a lot of casual like players, a lot of people who are like, oh, I know what Magic is. Uh, yeah. Even at Tarmacon, we had a couple guys who had played Magic, hadn't played Magic in years who saw magic and they're like, Oh, well we're going to play. Like we had a couple of guys who were just, I saw this guy. He said he was playing in the magic tournament. We decided to play the magic tournament. 
So, like, we got them DCI numbers because they had never played in a tournament like that before or anything like that. And we got them in and got them going. And, like, that's the cool thing that you can do when you tie yeah. into a convention you like that. You can't do that on a WMCQ. No, because the WMCQ, they have to have a minimum number of, of points earned in the season, competitive points or whatever. And that's just not something that draws in a casual crowd. It's, it's having a big tournament that other people can't be in. And if you don't have a good viewing area, if you're not set off to show it off, then it's not good to do. It's like when you go to PAX and they're doing like the League of Legends championships there or they're doing the, the Magic Players championships there. I'm assuming that they had a stage area or they just had it completely blocked off where it was not in the way at all. But like with the League one, the League one, they had a space set aside. They had like a stage and everything like that. You could go in there and you could watch it and it was exciting to watch. So it's like, okay, this is a closed tournament, but it's a closed tournament that we are displaying to you. The WMCQ doesn't bring any value to the convention, and the convention, I don't think, brings any value to the WMCQ because they obviously made the tournament a lot worse if they had held it in, like, a hotel lobby or something like that. Like, they had held it at, like, some hotel convention center. It may have went off a lot easier because there wasn't all of this other stuff in the way to kind of block it. The the other thing that was... That was uh interesting um is, is is a topic that i'm not too sure how i feel about it is is uh, uh initially there was i think on their website on the event page there was going to be a cap of uh 300 players okay. and they, they, you were strongly encouraged to to pre-register and I, I did and some of my friends even pre-register like the midnight before but uh when my friend william blondin showed up i think he got turned away when they were at roughly 260 players um, like some some people said, like, well, you didn't you didn't pre-register and and were capped. Um, but uh, from what I understand, he did a bit of a complaining and eventually got in, and the final total was around the two seventy five range. But I, to me, it feels weird because like the WMCQ should be something that uh, if you qualified, you should be able to play. But I can understand like. It's not like these these guys are rich enough to like guarantee like 500 people seats and and, and if only 100 people show up then they they these stores have lost a lot of money. So I am not sure what to think about that uh Jer. That's kind of one of the things that they have to kind of deal with is that some of these places are going to cap out. You know, you can't have you can't reasonably expect a place to be able to have unlimited seating for an event like this. Because Wizards just doesn't right. support them that way. Um, everybody's bidding against each other to kind of get the job. Uh, when they do get the job, they don't get any kind of like crazy support for it. It's it's even funnier like when you actually look at like something like a, a regional PTQ where they're literally on the hook for everything. Like the stores are on the hook for everything. Like Wizards doesn't even allow them to give away like the promo card to the judges to help compensate judges, and they don't collect any entry fees. They don't do anything. So it's it's literally like the world's worst loss leader, hoping that these guys who are coming to specifically for this tournament are going to go and shop their showcase and buy a bunch of stuff to kind of offset uh, the fact that they're holding this regional PTQ. But even like this WMCQ, like they have to have enough space to have a big tournament and to be able to kind of deal with what number they expect. And I'm pretty sure in the bidding process, Wizards will reach out to them and they'll say, you need to support. This is our estimated number. This is where we think you'll land this number we think could grow by this amount, you need to provide something like this. Oh, so right, they'll give right. them a number. If Wizards lowballed them, like that, 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 that could sense. really hurt them. But 
like wizards will come to them and say you need to have a spot that'll fit 200 people and they'll be like okay and they said you know that number could be this much higher it could be this much lower and the tough part is is that what you have to do is as a magic player as a person who's having this store in your community is that you have to if they do it wrong you have to let them know that they've done it wrong and if you don't think that they're going to do it right next time then you have to show them that you don't think they'll do it right next time so like this is where it's like providing feedback to wizards this is where it's i don't want to say boycotting these guys these four one guys might be awesome like they might have just bit off something that they couldn't handle yeah yeah for sure i mean they're yeah Magic players are quick to jump and like jam in the hate, but uh, that perspective is is important. Yeah, to have. And it's it's one of those cases oh. that I also am pretty sure, if I recall, that some of the PTQs, the large volume PTQs that four hundred one games ran in the past, were also headed by Mister Ackerman, where he just kind of was rented out as like a as a uh, tournament organizer for hire helping out places like 401 games and stuff like that to run their massive PTQs that they had done prior to the new PTQ system. Because mm-hmm. I know Kelly had done like PTQs for like three or four different people where he just acted as the TO when they got awarded it. He just said, okay, I'll run your event for you because I know how to handle a tournament like this. Right. Yeah, so ultimately um, I think they probably had good intentions. It just was not executed well at all and uh, ended up turning off a lot of people. And um, But once like once the people sort of left, the really hot feeling room was oh, actually like, comfortable. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> Fucking sweaty magic dungeons. God damn it. Um, and, uh, My buddy Nick's like the type of guy who'll go home and take two showers. Like, no word of a lie. I remember at one point he went and played in a tournament on Sunday, got knocked out of the tournament early. Since the hotel was attached, he went, took a shower, came back, played in another tournament, then went back and took a shower. Yeah. Because he's just like, everyone's so greasy and grimy, and yeah. it's so nasty Touching in there. And... Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, he's got a little bit of, like, that germophobia, I think, going on, because yeah. it, uh, it was pretty pretty wild. But, like... So we have a store, like, we have, like, a bunch of different stores in Calgary, and there's a bunch of different feels at all those different stores, right? Like, we have a store where, you know, they sell, like, everything, and their play area is, like, huge, but it's also shared between, like, games and comics and RPGs and magic and tabletop, and it's just like a, you can come and do whatever you want. It's like a cool That's store. the box. Yeah. Then we have a store that's, like... You know, they sell, like, only a couple of things, and, you know, then, like, the play area is mostly only Magic players, and it's a couple of, like, whoever shows up to do whatever, but most people, like, it's just a Magic store, they don't sell a whole lot of games, they just play Magic there. Then you have a store that sells, like, mostly board games, miniatures, games, and Magic, and, uh, and then, like, now they have, like, computer zone in the back kind of thing like for land parties and stuff um so I think that's what's that i think that's the worst it's a terrible model the land land place at a game store it's terrible i mean like i don't know like a lot of people that land have like similar interests to absolutely but it just like as a business idea like every time i see one of those a comic store do that all they do is they encourage their customers to actually just go buy their own computer and not come to the store anymore. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You're absolutely right. Like in 2015, you don't need a land party. No. Like it's 2015. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah. Yeah, I'm recording. Then... I'm recording a talk show with people all over the nation from a computer <laughs> in the Great White fucking North in a basement. Yeah. What but are you like... doing? And so what are you doing? Is like I, I think a lot of people share your sentiment. It's like that's the worst one. But like for me, and like a lot of people, like like a lot of people have different like opinions. Right? Some people are going to say like that's the worst story. This, and then a lot of people are going to say like this other version is the worst story for different reasons. So for me, uh, like I said earlier, if it's like a serious tournament where serious things are happening, like I need what I need is to fucking just be in a quiet cool, temperate environment, and I don't want fucking, like, gimmicks. That's my big thing. That These are all, like, gimmicks. So, I don't want, like, I don't need food being brought to my table instead of me going to get it. I mean, that's nice, but I'm playing fucking magic. Like, uh, you know what I mean? Like, I... Yeah, it's like going to like one of those uh, stupid uh, uh, like places, the fondue places, where like you cook things on hot rocks and stuff like that. Yeah, it's like wh- why, why, why am I doing this? Why, why can't somebody else do this? Why can't somebody well, who like knows how to cook do this? That. But yeah, but like it just things like that, or like I don't need a land party happening behind me when I'm trying to fucking do combat math to kill this Jobin, right? Like I want when I said a quiet library earlier it was kind of a joke, but it was also kind of like serious, like. I want to be in a zone where we're playing magic. I don't want, like, loud noises. I don't want, like, a bunch of shit. And, like, I understand, like, at things like GPs, but you can't help that, right? But if it's, like, a WMCQ, or if it's, like, uh, like, whatever, like, it, what it used to be is, like, Nationals qualifiers or whatever, or it's, you know what I mean? Then it's, like, I feel like I shouldn't have to, like, fight about that, you know? Or, like, I shouldn't have to, I don't know, deal with that outside shit. Um, if I'm playing, like, a, like, if it's a pre-release, fine. Have a fucking, have a bunch of just crazy, awesome shit. But if it's not a pre-release, if it's not casual, like, I just want to go and sit down and play Magic and win and leave. I don't want to fucking, yeah. you know, be enticed to try a new board game, demo a new board game. You know, like, or deal. I don't want to deal with shit. <laughs> yeah. It makes sense. So, I mean, and, like, a lot of the people that do do that stuff, like, when I say gimmicks, like, I mean, I mean it's gimmicks in that, like, not that it's, like, a, a shitty thing. Like, a lot of the times it's a good, cool idea. Um, and or there's people that are actually telling you to do it, and like so. Then what's happening is like you're thinking, like, okay, well, people actually want this, or I've talked to some people about it, and they said they did want it, and just stuff like that. And that's fine. But the thing is, like, it's a gimmick in that magic doesn't need that to get me to go there. Um. So like at Tarmacon, uh, people didn't know magic, and so they walked by and were like, "What is this?" And then. You're like, oh, let's hook you up with the DCI and get you playing and whatever. That's and that's fine. That's great. Yeah, we were giving but, away dual decks. Also, it was awesome. Yeah, like that, and that's fucking like parents and, that, and their kid, and it was like and it was that sweet. effectively, you know, is the same thing as a gimmick, except for that that is not a gimmick. That's like a tactic at this point because it works. But if I'm going to a fucking RPTQ, I don't need a DJ or like a screen on the wall or like a hot dog vendor outside or 
Do you know what I mean? Because though, because I'm already there for a reason. Like it sold the event itself has sold, so I do not need the glitz and glamour of the carnival. I don't know. I thought I thought the place that had uh, the one in Calgary that had the massage therapist who took payment in magic cards was pretty badass. I didn't know about that. You were there. Well, it was I'm... the it was the the tournament the PTQ that we played Wolf at. They had a massage therapist there who was like doing massages for magic cards. Oh, that's sweet. Yeah. So, yeah. Sorry to completely disra- derail you. No, absolutely. Uh, yeah. But like, but you know what I mean? Like, I just, I just, like, that is kind of sweet, but I don't need that. Yeah, I think it's just do it smart. Does it add to the event? Like, are both people getting something out of it? You don't even necessarily have to have magic players getting something out of it because in a lot of cases, um, a store like 401 who wants to have big numbers and stuff like that, one of the big things that they need to rely on is they need new signups. So that's where something like uh, an event like this, a Comic-Con, can be huge for them if they have casual tournaments at it. Something like a Mini Masters or uh, something really easy for somebody to get into a limited tournament of some sort that you can bring somebody in on. Even uh, the, the, the sealed deck uh, duels or whatever they call it, like the little league type things. And anything that gets somebody to sign up for a brand new DCI card is of huge value to these guys because they have a quota that they need to hit in order to maintain their, their status with Wizards. So have those types of tournaments at these big things, but don't put anything too big. We got a big gaming convention thing tournament happening in Edmonton, and they're going to do a pre-PTQ at it. And I think that's about as competitive as you should ever have at one of these things. And even for that, I don't think they're going to get any walk-in traffic on that. I think that they're going to have people who will show up specifically for that. And that might be a good thing for the convention to get people in the door to go and see other things. But I don't think that like it's taking too much away because it could potentially draw other people in. Like that's about as as far as I'd want to go on that line as like a PPTQ. Honestly, the best thing for those would be like pre-releases. If you could have a pre-release at like a convention setting, I think that that is your best case scenario for what type of tournament you want to be running at a a Muggle event. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, and I think that's absolutely, I think you're absolutely correct. Like, muggle events, you can have all that shit at them. Non-muggle events are for non-muggles, and non-muggles don't care about that shit. Yeah, like, have have a two-headed giant. <laughs> Make a really cool prize for the two-headed giant so that you get competitive people to show up. Yeah. Uh, I remember at PAX, they did a two-headed giant, and they were giving away from the vault relics to the winners. Wow, yeah. So cool. it was just like, me and my buddy Nick, who were like, Okay, this is two-headed giant. Like, who really plays two-headed giant? But we're like, oh, well, the prize makes sense. Or giving away like foil uncut sheets. Yeah. For like winning like a sealed tournament. Or even it more was than like just like more than just like fucking ten packs. Yeah, like it was like <laughs> high-end prizes to the guys at the top that would draw in the competitive people, and it was in a really really basic tournament setting that anybody could play. So you had people who were like excited to play in a magic tournament. They didn't want to win. And then you had people who were like, I'm here to win that. And that was a whole other thing. Right. And I think that the switch to prize walls uh, is kind of going to hurt that. Yeah. I hate prize walls. Jay, did you ever win anything with, with uh, Eve no, McCray? Eve, when you team Eve McCray, uh, I think we got <laughs> fucking... I want to see like we just got fucking <laughs> ranched in that. Well, we might have, but I'm pretty sure we did. I mean, like I know I didn't win shit. Um, 
Yeah, he'll tell us. I won the I won being able to play an event with Eve McRae. That was you know. Is it that difficult? You make it seem like he's very difficult to play with. He lives far away. Okay, well that's a challenge. Okay, yeah. And he's working on movies and shit. He worked on Godzilla and Pixels and fucking Debbie Does Dallas. The worst part is, is like I would be embarrassed about one of those movies, and it's not the Debbie Does Dallas or Godzilla. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. But, uh, yeah. Like, I, I literally almost faked the death in the family to get out of going to see Pixels. <laughs> I'm going to wrap up this segment. I, I knew you guys would have, like, really good opinions on, on uh, how this was event was run. Um, yeah, that was it. That was the whole show. We're growing up, boys. So what, do you, what do you guys think of, uh, not to hijack your segue, but I'm going to hijack it. Yeah, his segue was what garbage. What do you guys think of the segue. fucking... You're just you're just a guest oh, here. Oh yeah, fucker. sorry. <laughs> okay, go oh, on. Yeah, yeah. Go on. Do it terribly, KYT. Do it terribly. <laughs> um, what do you guys think of the uh, the spoilers that have come out since the last show? Uh, I don't know. Oh. Did you guys talk about spoilers at all? Have we talked about spoilers at all? I don't think. Yeah. I don't think we've actually well, talked about spoilers. I... Did you guys talk about spoilers last week? We did. We a bit about the lands, and I think. The big one for me is like as if we weren't getting amazing lands already. Now we're getting enemy yeah. man lands, which we knew we were getting. Which is right? sick. yeah. So it's like Although, okay. Like, so for the record, I don't really like the art on Lumbering Falls because like it, the man lands from Zen from World Wake look like people attacking you. This. Doesn't look like anything. No, you know, you have the big rock in the front, which is the head, and then the arms are sticking off the side, and there's water running down its back to its front. It's lumbering. <laughs> is it? Like, what is that? It just looks like a waterfall. It, I think it's like looking at a cloud, where it's like, oh, do you see that monster in the cloud? And you're like, uh, oh, yeah, I see the so Like, cloud. somebody can see this? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I can see it. Oh, okay. Okay. Sweet. Well, I can't see it. I like. Yeah, like, and that, that's gonna happen. Carpet, raging ravine. That three, four, reach one. That's bad. Yeah. You tell me what you see in stirring wildwood. Like really. Sure. Oh, I'll tell you right now. <laughs> it... Treetop village. One of the the the, the, the tenth edition <laughs> treetop village. Well, stirring wildwood is not treetop village. I'm talking about the manlands and worldwick. I'm not talking about fucking. Okay, well, well stirring Wildwood. Look at stirring Wildwood. Okay, you've got like the big arm at the top, like coming over the guy's head, which is through the trees. Where's the guy's like, head? He's gonna smash these Where's little the guy's head? Jobins. He's gonna smash these fucking turbo knots down here. Yeah, to the bottom it right. Just looks, it just looks like fucking tree vines to me. Jobins. No, it has a fucking. Man, it's just fucking vines. Not vines. You're vines. Wow. You're vines. I, I I initially agreed with Jer, but after. Closer inspection, oh, I think. I think I'm. Hey. Uh, Whereas Lumbering Falls, I feel like I'm just like chilling at yeah, Niagara Falls he, or he, something. He, he's just chilling. <laughs> he's just chilling. Well, then how is he a fucking 3 3? He should have been like a 1 5 or something. No, shit. man. He's fucking blue green, buddy. He's just chilling. I'm gonna look up nothing, re- nothing. See, the water's running down yeah, his back. Like, he's got hexproof. It just runs down his back. He doesn't have to worry about shit. He just lets it slide down his back. Raging Ravine also has a distinct eyeball. 
And okay, then Raging Ravine, Raging Ravine looks like a rock trying to fuck your face. Okay, like it is dragon mouth. And then if yeah. you look, and then if you look at celestial colonies, oh, that's even the best one because most people don't know there's Jobins on that either. So if you look at celestial colonies, and you fucking, it's like very obviously a man with two legs and like a fucking arm that's being assembled, and he's got like a laser beam eyeball, like Cyclops man, and then. There's a little you know what fuck, you need to do is you need to look at Lumbering Falls like and one see guy, the guy there. You gotta like stop looking at the other ones. Like look at the one that counts. That motherfucker's leg. He's like, I'm the fuck out of here. And then this other guy is like fighting Cyclops Man with purple fucking hand magic. That's oh. the shit I want to see. But I mean, then if you look at like promo Celestial Colonnade, then it looks very much like this Lumbering Falls. That it is just <laughs> a picture of rock. <laughs> All right, let's, let's move on to some of the more exciting cards. Yeah. Well, I, I'm, I'm just set. excited to awaken a manland and then activate it to make oh, it like even yeah. Uber. Just fucking smash you with that shit. So <laughs> also, like new Kiora, they brought back Kiora already. Yeah, and she's yeah, Kiora and Obi Nix is another planeswalker again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He yeah. was, Obi- he wasn't, he was. He Holy Obi-Nix. shit. But like this Kiora, like, real name, no gimmick. Oh, how sick is it, Jay? The new how Kiora is, think is pretty is. good, actually. So it's a four for four, and you can untap a creature and a land. Mm-hmm. So that's like pretty significant. Uh, and then the minus two is a little interesting. You like reveal four cards, and then you get a creature slash land into your hand, and the rest go into a the grave. creature and or. So you can get both. Oh Ooh. shit! Yeah. And then her fucking, and then this is the thing is, I was, as I was reading this, I was reading top to bottom, and I was like, ugh, minus eight for her fucking ultimate. It's another, like, five-turn version of Kiora, just like the last one. Like, what, how did they fuck up her ultimate this time? Like, you gain a life for each land you have. But it's not. It's actually pretty fucking sweet. Whenever a creature enters the battlefield <laughs> under your control, you can have it fight a creature. And then yeah. you also, after that happens, get to put three eight eight octopuses <laughs> so yeah, like, that's, that's important because a lot of people are like reading that as a thing like oh that's an infinite combo it's like no you're an idiot that that's actually what it is mm-hmm. um no it's two separate things you get an emblem that makes everything fight and then you get three eight eight guys to one-sided wrath your opponent yep yep so like her ultimate actually should just win you the fucking game which is great uh like ob nicholas's ultimate doesn't really win you the game I don't know, because it says whenever a player draws a card, so it's a pretty quick clock. It is a pretty quick quick clock, you're right. I mean, it, but I mean, it's possible that you could just, like, lose the, like, you could still be drawing a card and kill the, like, kill the, whatever, I mean, like, whereas, like, with Kiora, I guess you could, like, Wrath or something, but it just seems like they, you've Wrathed them, and you have three eight eight, so they're just, like, they, that's enough to kill them in one swing, so you, you need to, you need to answer that ultimate in one turn, whereas with Obi-Nix, like, I just feel like you'll probably still lose, but I mean, it's just not exciting. It's not as exciting. I, for a I think I think Obi Nix is just the nice like win condition in like a black control deck, like a black blue whatever control deck, because it's like you you. I just I look at him like I look at Elspeth. Elspeth, you put into play, you plus one, you got an advantage. You plus one, you got an advantage. When you ultimated Elspeth, you're usually in the spot where you could attack and win. But that was your win condition was just the plus and plus and plus and plus yeah. and. Just kind of stall out the board. Sometimes you had to minus with her. 
you hoped you didn't have to minus with her, but ideally you just put her into play and plus and plus and plus. And plus. Yeah, exactly. So this guy, you put him into play, you plus, you get an extra card. Control deck, getting extra cards, life is good. Life is great. Yeah. Um, if you have to minus him, you get to kill a creature. So, you know, that's that's positive as well. I think what you're hoping to do with him is drop him out and have the ability to back him up. Like, he's not a cast on turn five unless your opponent's doing nothing. Yeah. Uh, but maybe it is a cast on turn five and kill off something, and then you start building up from there. And if you get that eight, you should probably be way ahead on cards. You should probably have control of the board. And now you don't have to worry about killing them because it's like, oh, well, I'm just going to divination and deal four to you. Or I'll divination and you've taken six on your turn and then you've taken another two. So it it ends the game very, very quickly at that point there. It's whenever ten cards are drawn, it kills in five turns or less. Right. So, and and that's the thing. It's, It's, you probably have a lot of card draw already. So now your card draw is just like this massive, like, shot to the guy's face that, like, once that ultimate's off, all you have to do is just not die. You just have to stall the game out at that point there. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's just not exciting. They're both minus eight. And one is you get three octopuses and a wrath. One is... Yeah. Your opponent just starts dying. <laughs> yeah, just like you just stab them and walk away. Yeah, it's it's stab wound for a person. Yeah. So, uh, I, I think uh, fucking Flash O-Ring is or journey to nowhere is interesting. Yeah, that's yeah. kind of cool. cool. I agree. I, I like the like... the champion. The champion, I think, is really cool. Champion. The green two two guy for three mana. Well, I see? thought this guy was cool, but then I realized he's a mythic. Yeah. And that he doesn't even have like trample or reach. But does he need it? He's just so fucking yeah. hard to deal with. Yeah, but you just block him. All day. Yeah, but he just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. But who cares? You just block him with a 1-1. You're making fucking 1-1, like, spawn creatures for free. So he's here. he's Green Abyss. Okay. Yeah. But, for, but for tokens, not even for good stuff. And he gets smaller <laughs> when you block him. Uh, only if you kill him. No, it's if he would take damage. Is it? Yeah. Oh, well, never mind. No, he's not that good then. Nope. <laughs> so last week on the show, Garbo. I had to correct KYT, and this week I have to correct Scumbag Schofield. Huh. Yeah, no, that's not as good. No. Nope. He was, like, fine. Like, Evan Irwin, of course, like, this is Evan Irwin's new toast that he's excited about. Um, But, like, yeah, he just, he needs something else. Like, he needed, I mean, who knows? I don't know what the format looks like, but he just feels like, to me, like, he needed a different, another ability or something. He's a mythic, like, you know. He's just a yeah. fucking tutu, man. Um, he's just a fucking tutu that you're gonna block all day with your fucking O three wall, and uh, and then when he gets big, he'll just block him with a one one token, and he will just do fucking nothing for the entire game. Yeah, he'll be an eight eight, and then you block him, and he'll be a seven seven. Great. And then you'll play a land, and he'll be an eight eight, and you'll block him. Like, yeah. Um, what about bring delight? What do you guys think? Which one bring? Bring to Light is the blue, green, three colorless. Oh, yeah, that card sucks. It's so a sorcery. Cool. It's Converge. It tutors for something equal to converted mana cost or less than equal to the number of color of mana spent to cast it. So Converge, Converge is such a weird ability because if they didn't write Converge in the text box of this card, it would do the same thing. Yeah, yeah. I think that Converge, they're just they're trying to explain what Converge does. I guess. Which yeah. is kind of. This yeah, is confusing. It's, yeah, confusing. Which is confusing. I still don't know which one it is. But uh, 
I think this card sh could have been fair if it said and, but it didn't say and. It says or. And so, more than likely, you're paying five mana to find, at best, a five or less drop. And that's if you're yeah. playing five colors? Like... <laughs> Oddly enough, blue-green storm in modern. What is that? It's, it's, uh, it's, again, a deck that I was working on with my buddy Nick. Um, who we try and make random things work in modern, and we had a blue green storm deck that was actually doing. It wasn't as terrible as it sounds. Um, it wasn't great, but it wasn't as terrible as it sounds. It was missing a couple cards, and the fact that this thing would be like a perfect tutor for it, because it would use like all suns dawn, was really good. All suns dawn. I yeah, I can see potential in this card in like modern to do broken things. Like it's because like, you well, it just it just because. Yeah, because you get to cast it for free. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's yeah. a tutor that you cast the card for free. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And like that's always gonna be a powerful effect that if yeah. you have to do some things to make it work. Like again, five mana to tutor up a two drop, a two mana card and cast it for free. Yeah. Probably not good enough. Maybe if you do it for three mana, you start to hit some abusive things. If you can do it for five mana, then hey, then that's when you start to do some really ridiculous things. But what we were doing is we were doing a blue-green uh, storm deck that worked with early harvest. So we were doing things like search for tomorrow, and uh, even one of the cards that we were talking about from the new set or newer sets that uh, was helping out was like even uh, Nisa's uh, pilgrimage or whatever like that, like the the uh, Kadama's Reach that could potentially get two forests instead right. of one forest. So like that card because. Early harvest is really, really powerful if you can set up a situation where it's really strong. And what we were doing is we were doing um, epic experiments storm off of early harvest, off of land based. And one of the advantages that we saw with the deck is that if you fizzled out or whatever the case may be, you untap the next turn with like 10 mana in play. So you got to just continue where you left off. Hmm. So. It was it was interesting in that sense. We saw that uh, one of the other advantages that we were getting was the fact that um, as you were uh, putting the cards in, the, like as you were pulling land out of your deck, your deck became more consistent because it was having less land in it. So you were getting more live drops. So it had some strengths. It's just obviously the faster mana, the 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 one turn mana was way better because it's one turn mana, so it can be easier to break. But it definitely had some strength. The the deck. I don't think Nissa's Renewal would be any better for it, but, like, you know, just trying to, like, say, like, oh, you know, like, I haven't thought about this deck in a while. Is there anything new that might help out with it? No, not really. Can I also say that Hedron Archive is, like, one of my favorite cards? No, you cannot. Yeah. Oh, I'm going to. It's one of my favorite cards. Love the art. Love the favor text. Love the card. Love the casting cost. Everything about it is pretty cool. It's just, what does it it's do? Just the, it's, it's the like, double mind stone. Yeah, or the minus one, the last Hedron thing. Yeah, better than the last Hedron thing, for sure, as double mind stone. Four mana, you can tap it for two mana, you oh, can yeah, do two mana and tap it and sack it or draw two cards. I like mine. Mine's yeah, a good no, card. Yeah, it's a good card. You just fucking love it. <laughs> yeah. 
Also, um, these new fucking whatever these things are stupid called these hollowed fountains and all this yeah. shit. Oh yeah, we talked about those last time. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, they have ruined things for me because I had all this trade and stuff. I had gotten my exemplar package from Wizards for judgy stuff and got some like super sweet foils out of it. Some of the stuff I don't plan on using, so I was going to trade it in. And there is a super sweet freaking foil marsh flats in this showcase. And I said, no, nope, going to hold off. Going to get the new ones. Those ones aren't good enough anymore. <laughs> yeah, they got you. They fucking got you. They got me. They got me, these fuckers. Nope. Got to get got my arid messes and my fucking all that bullshit in one in umpteen boxes that I'm going to pay 300 yep. bucks a it's like, for. It's like less than one a case. I, I think it's on around one a case. Yeah, it's like slightly less than one. Yeah, it's fucked. Yep. I am not buying that many of these magic cards. Especially because all these Eldrazi are fucking trash. My god. Is you think they're all trash? No, yeah, I like, think Olamog is better than old Olamog. Well, new Lamog, new Lamog maybe is. New Olamog is better. What, what are people calling these fucking dual lands? I know we're not supposed to talk about it, but seriously, like, let's just get it out of the system. And What's some people call them <laughs> lands. Oh, I think they should be called lands because they're slow. Shitty. Are they slow? Yeah, they're just like because it's like. Oh, well, they're oh, not like shitty. shitty. They're, they're slow, <laughs> which makes it. <laughs> they're slow off the get go. Yeah, but they're not slow later on. Right. Um, I do want to mention um, how uh, get back to the competitive sure. side of things. Of even though there's the there's the new cards coming in, there's still some important tournaments before they do come in. And um, for modern, I still recommend, despite doing terrible, still recommend Affinity. Um, actually, I was talking to Jer a lot about uh, Gristle Shoal before because I was um, considering that because I was wondering why I was off the radar. You know, I discussed with Jerry Thompson a bit and. He just felt that the deck was missing a lot of elements that to make it a super consistent engine. But uh, a copy that ended up making top four at the WMCQ, I felt like, but gold fishing with the deck, I, I felt the problems. Um, even Willie Edel told me like he had to take out, he felt like he had to take out most of the Manamorphos and switch them with Tormenting Voices to make the deck feel more consistent in, in being able to get Gristlebrand and, and having ways to discard it. Um, so Affinity heading to GP Oklahoma City. If Oklahoma. I was going uh, this weekend, well, it would be what I would play. Uh, but for Standard, there's still the WMCQ in Montreal. Hopefully, uh, we're hosting it as face-to-face -face games. Hopefully, we'll be able to accommodate the amount of people that will be coming. Um, we have in the past, and uh, I expect nothing less. Um, I know that recently, the big thing is that Alex... Went to Vancouver and won with Elf Rally, um, dominated with Elf Rally. Uh, the, in fact, the only Elf Rally player was Jacob Wilson, and they both had to play for their winning in. And Alex beat him, and from what I've heard, easily won the top eight. And now recently, I heard from Doug, Dougie P, that Marcel won a PPTQ, yep. um, where he had to fend off multiple people playing 
Elf Rally, but he came prepared because unlike the rest of the world who it's still pretty much on the download because Elf Rally hasn't won an SCG. Uh, Alex and Jacob ultimately decided not to play at Worlds because they were scared of, of the hate because Tormod's Crypt does a number on the deck. Well, Marcel came prepared. He knew about the deck, so he he played Abzan Aggro with Tormod's Crypt in his sideboard and was able to gain that edge, taking out um, you know your boy Brian Brian Sue right with uh, who was on Elf Rally. Like good players were on Elf Rally, they just lost to him. So if people are prepared, they're gonna beat it. I've decided to practice with Elf Rally because Alex thinks uh, the deck is probably insane for people who aren't prepared, which is uh, like I said, the, probably the rest of the world at this point. But uh, it does struggle. It's not perfect. It does struggle with flying decks, as does a lot of green decks uh, right now do, where they're just like forcer into uh, whatever that just can't really deal with Mantis Rider into Thunderbreak Regent into Stormbreath Dragon. Uh, a curve like that has been giving me a lot of trouble. A lot of flying, just I can't deal with it at all. I can't interact with it that well. It plays Murderous Cut, but. The deck itself doesn't have that many self-mill cards for it to be really um, that efficient a lot of the time. And even if I do use it, I'm, I'm still taking three from Thunderbreak. And them being backed with like cards like Stoke the Flames or Jeskai Charm or Exquisite Firecraft just makes that particular matchup a nightmare. But that said, Mono Red has been pretty much a joke because I have Visionaries and the Dwinans Elite that I have two twos and one ones just completely shutting them down and then i just play siege rhino that they can't deal with or, or need multiple cards to deal with and at that point i've set up a rally that ancestors that will just totally um ruin their uh the, their day i guess um so the deck's pretty good i don't think it's the best so i'm gonna start tweaking it a bit but that's where i'm at in standard and in modern um for our listeners who want to know like what what i think people should be playing um, I think Abzan Control or any flavor of Abzan Aggro is probably still the safest way to go. And if if there's a Rally the Ancestors deck in your metagame, just just pack a couple of Tormod's Crypt like Marcel did, and you'll do just fine. Sweet. Oh, I like it. All right. And uh, that will be it for our show. I would like to thank both my guests for joining us, except Jay, uh, who couldn't comment on the controversy. Uh, maybe we'll get it out of you in, in a future show, but uh, I'm happy you came on. Yeah, Jay. whatever. <laughs> <laughs> All right, thanks a lot, Jared, for coming on, and hopefully uh, we'll see Tarmacon. Absolutely, absolutely, and yeah, no, seriously, great show. Um, the Tarmacon thing, this show too, this was a lot of fun. We'll do it next week, right. we'll do it the week after. We'll keep fucking doing her. Doer, doer, doer. <laughs> Okay, see you guys, and thanks for listening. I love you all. You guys are far too kind. This week, we have Jay again from last week. We've got, we loved him so much that we brought on the star of Celebrity Crap Chat back with us again. I'm excited to have him, and now for our next guest... Oh no, fuck. Okay, I'm gonna redo that whole entire thing. It's like, <laughs> this was a flow. great guest. Fuck him, let's get the next guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fuck, yeah. Back yeah. Back. fuck him. Yeah. Let's do yeah. our new guest. <laughs> <laughs>